episode number three of a show to be named later. Maybe at some point we'll have a better name, but for now I like this. A show to be named later, episode number three. It is Wednesday, June 6th at time of recording. There's seems like a lot going on in this sports world for a sleepy Wednesday afternoon. But there is Game 3 of the NBA Finals tonight. We will talk about that quite a bit on the podcast today, including with our guest ESPN's Will Kane. That's coming up in just a little bit. I also want to talk about this Brian Colangelo thing, because how is it still going on? We'll get to that later. But I do want to start with Game 3 of the NBA Finals tonight in Cleveland, Ohio, with the Warriors up 2-0, and the Cavaliers looking helpless in that last game, and Steph Curry hitting impossible shot after impossible shot. Shot clock winding down. Curry's going to have to put it up, launches it up. Shot clock. Oh, he knocks it down! Steph Curry with the shot clock expiring. And here we are. A 2-0 lead for the Warriors, a position that nobody would have been surprised by with the Cavaliers on the verge of getting swept, except for all that stuff that happened in Game 1, right? The block. Durant 10 feet beyond the stripe, going to drive hard down the lane. Bodies there, and a block foul is called. James trying to get him. An offensive foul is going to be called on Kevin Durant as James came over and took the block. They're going to look to see if he was in the restricted area, but I think we saw in that replay, he was a couple steps in front. Should be a legal block. Oh, boy. So they are going to call oh, the block my. on James, and now James lurches forward. So does Ty Lue to get an explanation from Tony Brothers to tell him what he saw in replay. And then you have JR. George Hill receives the ball, trying to untie the game. 4.7 seconds to go in game one. Free throw line to our right. Hill dips, free throw up, free throw's going to be short, rebounded by Smith, two seconds to go, he dribbles out, they got a foul, they can't get him, the Cavaliers on the road, stunning the Golden State Warriors in game one, tied at 107, my bad, tied at 107. And then you have the Cavaliers just blowing it in overtime, and and they're not really able to do much of anything, and, and they don't get anything going and the the Warriors just run out to a double digit lead and and they steal that game and then they do much of the same in game number two right the Warriors do the same exact thing in game number two that they did in overtime it just carried over to the first quarter and that game was over that game was uninteresting but I've got this weird feeling today I've got this weird feeling that if the Cavaliers are going to win a game if the Cavaliers are actually going to pull off a game in this NBA Finals, doesn't it feel like it's going to be tonight? And I say that because once you're down 3-0, aren't you kind of done? Right? Aren't you already done if you've lost three straight? If you're on the verge of elimination, you know there's no coming back from that. It's never happened before to come back from down 3-0. So, I don't think that they win that game, right? I, th- I think that this is the game that the Cavaliers would have to win. And maybe it makes all the sense in the world. Maybe it makes all the sense in the world for the Cavaliers to go win game three tonight. You know, they come back home. 
Maybe they put Rodney Hood back in the rotation, which seems like it's going to happen. And something gets sparked. J.R. Smith starts hitting his shots. Jordan Clarkson plays slightly less terrible. George Hill plays better. Role players all play better at home. So maybe tonight's the night. Maybe tonight's the night that they play better at home. Tonight's the night that they put it all together. Tonight's the night that it works. Is that possible? Or am I just being insane? Because I don't think that the Cavaliers are really going to win a game in this series. I really don't. I think they're going to get swept. But I've got this weird feeling on on Wednesday morning when I woke up and and throughout this early morning and, and early afternoon, I've got this feeling that this is the game. If there is a game for them to win, this is the game. And maybe it's just for all the reasons that I said. Guys play better at home. You get more out of Jordan Clarkson. You get anything out of Rodney Hood, who hasn't played in what feels like forever. J.R. Smith starts playing better and doesn't, you know, run the clock out when you're not winning. LeBron James goes and puts up another legendary performance. Kevin Loves goes out and has another solid game. And all of a sudden, you're, you're right there, right? Because you did this in game one. You showed that you could be right there with this Golden State Warriors team. And all it took for you to lose game one was a overturned call that I, I don't think most NBA fans knew could be overturned in that way. A missed free throw that would have given you a lead with four seconds left. And a monumental brain fart by J.R. Smith. Oh, and then, by the way, you had five more minutes left and you totally blew it. Right? Like, you totally blew it in that overtime period. So, yeah. The Cavaliers, in theory, could win a game. And they've been close enough in this series, specifically that first game, to make you think that maybe they will be able to get one. Probably not more than one, but maybe one. And I think that if they're going to get one, tonight's the night. You go back home, you're amped up, you're in front of your home crowd, Your role players play better, and let's face it, outside of LeBron James, this is a team full of role players. Maybe you take Kevin Love out of that too. This is a team mostly comprised of role players, right? Maybe you get lucky and Andre Iguodala isn't quite ready to play yet, and he's not back, or not back at 100%. And you're able to do what you did in Game 1. But instead of losing that game that, again, changed on three weird plays, you win. And you walk out of Cleveland tonight only down 2-1 instead of 3-0. And you you trick yourself into thinking that you still have a chance. Because let's face it, you don't have a chance. Right? You don't have a chance in this series. But if you win the game tonight... Maybe you trick yourself into thinking that there is a tiny chance that you could still win. And for whatever reason, tonight feels like that game for them. 
tonight feels like that game that they could win. I want to get to some Brian Colangelo stuff, that 76er saga that amazingly is still not figured out. Seems like we'll have some kind of resolution coming soon, or at least that's the report. But before we do, let's tell you to listen to the Daniel Baldwin Show all summer long. If you're caller number five, when prompted to call, you'll register for a UPS happy hour. You'll get to meet the guys from the show, Daniel Baldwin, Paulie, Josh. I don't know if that's the incentive, but you'll meet Daniel Baldwin. And you'll you'll uh, have a party for your office at Shaughnessy's Pub in the Marriott Syracuse downtown. This month's party is on June 22nd. It's brought to you by UPS and ESPN Syracuse. So be listening to the Daniel Baldwin Show. Call in when prompted to call and enjoy some pretzel pups and uh, talking sports with the guys. Now let's get back to a show to be named later. So I mentioned I wanted to talk about this Brian Colangelo story. This weird thing with burner accounts and Twitter and a GM who may or may not have been flaunting his own moves while knocking down his predecessor a peg, which is just a weird thing to do if you think about it. right? If you're Brian Colangelo, are you not secure enough to say, you know what, I'm two-time executive of the year. I've had a good run. I've had a great career. I built that team in in Phoenix that nearly went to the NBA Finals. I built that team in Toronto that is having the success that they're having now. And then I'm coming to Philadelphia, and we're going to keep this thing rolling. You know, as as we build here, and we'll we'll build off Sam Hankey and everything he did. Wouldn't you think that you're secure enough to not worry about fans liking Sam Hankey more or thinking he got screwed out of a job? Or, you know, go online and and tweet at reporters saying, hey, this guy failed his physical. That's why the test, that's why the trade didn't go through. Wouldn't you think that you're secure enough to do that? Or to not do that, I should say. And I guess that's why it's an intriguing story. But as this thing is dragged out, and, and it's already been, what, nearly a week since this story has come out and... And we've talked about it, and it's been dissected, and I think judgments have already been made. But it's been nearly a week since that has started. And with that being said, how haven't we gotten a resolution on this yet? I am amazed that Brian Colangelo still has a job. I really am. How how are we here? How has nothing happened? How haven't we found out? whether Brian Colangelo will get to keep his job or not. And I'm not necessarily advocating for somebody to get fired, but in this case, I think you have to get rid of him. You can't have him, or if it is really a family member, which 76ers Twitter seems to have dug in and think it is, you can't have that, right? Like, Like, you just can't have that. Because if it is a family member, if it is his wife, as as Twitter users have tried to figure out, that means that he's still like sharing this information and, and it's still getting out there, right? Like you know what the source is if it's Brian Colangelo's wife who's doing the tweeting. You know where she's getting her information. And like it's still a problem that that information is getting out there. So I don't think that there's any way you can keep him. And that was my initial reaction when this whole thing started, right? 
You can't keep Brian Colangelo because it just doesn't make sense, right? Like it just doesn't it just doesn't work to keep this guy around. It just doesn't. How is Brian Colangelo supposed to go into a meeting with Joel Embiid, given what that Twitter account said? How is Brian Colangelo supposed to go into meetings with other teams or on trade calls with other teams and feel confident and have the other team feel confident that what they discuss is going to stay between them, given what was said on those accounts? How is he supposed to go meet with free agents and sell people on joining his franchise, given what was discussed on those accounts? To me, it seems like there is nothing he could do to gain that trust back right now. And you're a month away from free agency. Not even. And that 76ers team is in a really important position right now. Right? They are in a spot where they've got all the young talent in the world. They've got Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And Dario Saric looks like a legit player for you. They've got all this great young talent. They made a run. They got to the second round of the playoffs. At one point, they were looked to be the favorite out of the Eastern Conference. And now you've got to go supplement. You've got to go fix this team. You've got to go finish it off, polish it. Add that last piece. Maybe it is LeBron James. Maybe it's Paul George. Maybe it's trading for Kawhi Leonard. But you've got to go make that move. And how can you trust Brian Colangelo to go do it? I am amazed that he's still got his job. And even more so than that, I'm amazed that we haven't heard anything. How have we made it this long? How have we made it this long in this news cycle where things move so fast? How has this story dragged out? And I think that's the most mind-blowing thing to me. This story has just dragged. And it just lingers. And Adam Silver says at his press conference before game one of the finals that he's not happy that this is a storyline. He wants the focus, rightfully, by the way, to be on the NBA Finals. To be on the Cavs and the Warriors. The fourth time that these two teams are meeting in a row. And you've got LeBron James, the player of the generation, if not the best player to ever play basketball on the floor in his eighth straight finals. You've got the Golden State Warriors, the best team of this generation. And if they finish this off and win three out of four, one of the best teams of all time, right? They're in that discussion. Yet the conversation leading into game one, and I think it's dragged out a little bit here, is, man, what's going to happen with the 76ers? What's going to happen with that Twitter thing? What's going to happen with Brian Colangelo? Because it's a fascinating story. Because it is so interesting. And to me, I think that this story wraps up the NBA really well. Come November, October, whatever it was, we all knew what was going to happen. We all knew that it was going to be the Cavs and the Warriors. And we knew 
that they were going to end up in the finals for the fourth straight year. But we sat through the season, and we enjoyed it, right? But why did we enjoy it? Because of the stupid pettiness. At least that's what I did. I liked this season because of the stupid pettiness. Because of the Twitter stuff. Because of the fights. Because of the videos. Because of the things going back and forth and the shade and the extracurriculars. It keeps the league interesting. Especially when we know what's going to happen. The Warriors are going to beat the Cavaliers in the finals. And I know I talked about this on Orange Nation a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the Eastern and Western Conference final. But who were the four best teams in basketball at the beginning of the year? Well, it was Houston, it was Golden State, it was Boston, and it was Cleveland. Oh, wow, who are the four teams left at the end of the year? Well, it's Houston, it's Golden State, it's Cleveland, and Boston. Right? So it basically played out exactly how we thought it was going to play out. But the journey was fun along the way. You had some twists and turns, and you had some fun stuff going on, and things that maybe you didn't expect. And here we are. We had a nice season. We enjoyed it. And then at the end, you got another fun story. And then at the end, you got another perfect quintessential NBA story. Didn't you? You got a story about a general manager who went on Twitter and tried to talk smack about his predecessors. You got a story about a general manager who went on Twitter and tried to talk down and talk crap about players that he traded. Doesn't that just fit in with where we are in the NBA right now? You've got Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell going back and forth over the definition of a rookie. Donovan Mitchell walking in with a sweatshirt that's got the definition of rookie printed across the chest. And we're just kind of hanging out. We're laughing at it. Because we know at the end of the day, neither of those teams matter. Because this whole thing is predetermined. And it felt like the same thing with this Colangelo thing. Didn't it? Oh, none of that stuff matters because, you know, at the end of the day, the Warriors and Cavaliers are, well, they're going to win. They're going to go to the finals. And and that's it. And there's nothing much else to talk about. Because the NBA has become predictable. But we need fun stories. We need fun things to laugh at over the course of the year. And this gave us exactly that. This gave us exactly that one more time and I love it I love it I cannot get enough of it because it's a stupid fun story with that being said I'm amazed that Brian Colangelo still has a job and I'm amazed that we haven't heard anything anything at all from the 76ers on this I can't imagine it would be too much longer before we heard something we've got to at some point right before we get to Will Kane here on a show to be named later, just wanted to remind you about our ESPN Syracuse iTunes feed. Now, I don't think you need reminding because, well, you're listening to a podcast, so you know it exists. But how about check out some of the other shows on the iTunes feed, whether that's On the Block with Brent Axe, 
The Daniel Baldwin Show, Orange Nation, when we are back in August. Check all of them out on iTunes, ESPN Syracuse. Just search that, and you will get our shows delivered straight to your phone each and every day as soon as they are posted. Also, check out the website, ESPNSyracuse.com. There's plenty of stuff there. You can stream us live all day, uh, anytime, uh, on ESPNSyracuse.com. Also, you'll get any interview. Any interview we do on ESPN Syracuse will be posted right on the page on the audio vault at ESPNSyracuse.com. With that, back to a show to be named later, and ESPN's Will. All right, now, as promised, we bring in Will Kane, host of The Will Kane Show on ESPN Radio. Weekdays 3 to 6 on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. You hear it from 3 to 4 on ESPN Radio Syracuse and ESPN Radio Utica Rome. So you hear it on our station leading up to Brent Axe. And, Will, there's a, a lot going on in the sports world. We'll we'll get to some NBA final stuff, and that's really what I want to talk to you about but I feel like we got to start with this anthem stuff because it keeps coming up, and, and it's the president, and it's the NFL. And I'm just curious, and I heard some of this on the show earlier in the day, but I'm wondering just kind of your top-line thoughts that this anthem stuff keeps coming up, uh, even when it seems like it might be dying down. That I'm exhausted by it, Seth, honestly. <laughs> I don't mean I'm exhausted by you asking me that question. I'm exhausted by this issue keep coming up over and over again. It's just... Two years now? Is that what we're working on? Two years of this coming back and back and back and back and talking about it again and again. And the funny thing is, man, nothing has really moved. Well, that's not true. Okay, so I have two thoughts. One, I'm exhausted. And number two, how far we are from where we originally began. See, when we started this conversation two years ago, I think you could be on one of two sides of this issue. And in a way, you could almost be on both sides of this. For those that are in support of the protest, they look at it and they go, this has always been about a believed systemic injustice when it comes to law enforcement and the unjust killing of black men in the United States of America. And then there are others who said the time, the place, and manner, the form of this protest during the national anthem and before the American flag offends me. And that was our conversation. We could have had a debate about the actual substance of the protest, and I was one person who was happy to engage in that debate. I think there needs to be a conversation about the data and each individual incident and and have that conversation. Secondarily, like, really? During the national anthem? Is this when and how we need to do this? Are you really communicating your message if it is that offensive to other people, the form of it? So anyway, either way, that was where we were. Two years later, what I'm what I am shocked about is this. It keeps coming up because it's a political win for President Trump that he has been open and honest about. When he told the NFL owners, this is a strong issue for me. This is a winning issue for me. That was all you need to know. So now, it's just a referendum on President Trump. How do you feel about President Trump? You like him? You go to the White House. You don't like him? You don't go to the White House. He wins either way. So I'm not really interested in having that conversation, just a referendum on President Trump. I left talking politics. I'm ready to talk sports. Why is it everybody in sports wants to talk politics? They can go have my old job. Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm with you. I'm at, I'm at the point where I feel like we've just talked about this so much. And, and to your point, talking in circles, right? Like, you, you know what side you're on. I know what side I'm on. You know, who, whoever you're talking to. And, and nobody's moving from those points. Like, it's, it's just a, a, a conversation that's not really a conversation anymore. No, I don't even know if it ever really was, man. Um, I'm not trying to be like, hey, I'm not trying to, 
if I, if I am trying to paint myself as any kind of good guy in this conversation, I've mis- failed miserably because I'm a bad guy to a ton of people. But one thing I will say is this. I've always been there for that conversation, and will remain. Anybody that wants to have that conversation, that doesn't mean I'm going to agree. And I mean, I'm going to tell you, hey, man, I think you're right. It doesn't mean I'm going to hope that everybody says, really like and agree with what you said. But I'm here for that conversation. But we're just not having it. We're just having something else now. Yeah. You know what? One more on this before I, I do want to move on, and, and I want to get to the NBA playoffs. With this new rule that says you could stay in the locker room, my first reaction was, all right, now the players who decide to stay in the locker room will be uh, you know, called out the same way that the players who, who knelt for the anthem last year in the past two years. Did you get the same idea? Do you think that's going to happen whenever this does happen, you know, come September? Yeah, for the first week, Seth, I think that's what would be the case. I think every national media outlet would be like, who's in, who's out, who's not standing out. And, but the thing is, I think it would blow over. I think that would happen for one week. I do think it would solve most of the PR problems for the NFL, unless, and this is a pretty big caveat, some massively big stars were the ones that sat out on a consistent basis. That would probably be an ongoing conversation. But look, I am alone on this in the media. Everybody else in the media thinks the NFL rule is absolutely horrendous. I think they actually struck a balance where, yes, here in the offseason, we're going to talk about it. And yes, during the first week or two of the NFL season, we're going to pay attention to who's in and out of the locker room. But after that, I think we'd move on. Yeah, I, I, look, I certainly hope that's the case because, as you've said, it, it's been out there for a long time, and, and it's a discussion that, look, ha- should be had and, and can be had, but it, it just feels like it's lingered to this point. We're talking with Will Kane, ESPN Radio host, 3 to 6, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and here on ESPN Syracuse. Uh, Will, as mentioned, I wanted to get to the NBA playoffs, and I think that the overarching question coming into this finals was – Oh, man, it's Warriors-Cavs again. From where you sit and and from the feedback you get, has that been the reaction? Has there been disappointment that we're getting this for a fourth straight year? Well, for me, because I'm sort of into new things. I'm sort of (laughs) into shaking it up. I was excited about the prospect of the Celtics playing the Warriors. I feel like the Celtics are – I talked about them being – the baby warriors um, on my show. I think if you look at the Celtics, you could see where three years from now, maybe two years from now, this team's one that looks a little bit like the Warriors, a bunch of athletic wings who can guard and score, who can shoot and drive. You're looking at a team that possibly could end up being the Warriors two to three years from now. But on the other hand, look, if we're being real, you, me, what people like to talk about, what people want, they want to talk about LeBron. And if you want to see the greatest team on the planet play against the greatest player on the planet, I guess a fourth time for that isn't too bad. The problem just is it's not much of a rivalry. It's, you know, it's just, I don't know, what's the perfect analogy? David and Goliath was a rivalry only because David won. You know, <laughs> I mean, you just don't sign. It doesn't matter three times, four times. If you know what's going to happen, if there's no drama in it, it's not really a rivalry. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, and, and I think that one of the, the thoughts I've had, and I know this has been discussed a little bit, is can a player win MVP while his team gets swept? Because, you know, Will, No, it no, looks like no, come it, on, no, Seth, right? <laughs> you came up with the answer, no, surely. I, I mean, look, if LeBron's going to score 40 a game, it's hard to argue. I appreciate Here, I love the, 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 the idea of what is the most valuable player. I'm into that, okay? And, and, and asking yourself, what does it mean to be truly valuable? To me, it's not who's the best player on the best team, who's the best player on the winning team. It's not the guy that fills up the stat sheet either. It's 
It's really the thought experiment of if I took you out, if I plugged you out of the equation, how much different would your team's outcome be? And there's no doubt if you took LeBron out of it, the Cavs wouldn't be in the finals. I don't know how far they'd get in the playoffs. I don't even know if they'd be in the playoffs. Probably wouldn't be in the playoffs. But if you get swept, and the NBA Finals MVP is just about one series, if you get swept, how valuable can you really be? I mean, like, what? We had you. We won zero games. If we wouldn't have had you, we would have won, what, zero games? I'm just like, you didn't change the needle much there. Now, I'm willing to entertain you can win it on the losing side. Maybe if the Cavs can take them to six games, definitely if they take them to seven games, I could see getting LeBron the MVP, but not in a sweep. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't disagree with that theory because I, I, I have this all the time in baseball. Like, A-Rod won MVP on a last-place team. They, they would have been in last without him, right? right. So, so, there you go. So what I think you just you got yourself out of a sweep MVP. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think th- this argument's a lot easier if it were like the hockey award, right, where it's the, the playoffs MVP and not just the final MVP. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, what I've always thought as well is I think the, the, the MVP award for the season, I really do think it ought to take the playoffs into account. I know it's a regular season award, but if we are all to understand and believe, and I think we'd be right to, that – it's almost like what, it doesn't even matter until it gets to the playoffs, and it's almost a different game. It's like your true colors are tested in the playoffs. Who you are and how good you are is really revealed in the playoffs. I hate the idea of, like when Russ won it last year, he had the triple dribble, and that's great, and then they lost, what, in, in the first round. It's like, yeah. I know, it's an, I know that it's a reflection of the team around them as well, but who you are and how you play in the playoffs, I just kind of feel like it's a bigger deal. Talking with Will Kane here on ESPN Syracuse. You hear him on ESPN Radio Daily 3-6 to 6, and the ESPN app. And, and, Will, I do want to get to some Warriors thoughts. What do we make of this team that is presumably going to go win three out of four titles? Uh, of course, the one year they don't, they win 73 games and win the most games in NBA history in a single season. What do we make of this team in this four-year run? That they're one of the... They're one of the... They're a dynasty. Okay, let's just say that. They are a dynasty. Then we begin the conversation, where do they stack up to other dynasties? Um, the Lakers of the 2000s, what was that? That was three and four years. So you can start comparing them to something like that. In order for this thing, to me, truly not be a disappointment, it would have to reach the debate, the conversation with the 80s Lakers, the 90s Bulls. That's how good this thing is to me. If they win anything, if they just, at the end of the story, it's three and four years, and these guys stay together. That's a pretty big caveat as well. KD and Clay and Steph and Draymond, they stay together. I honestly think that'd be a disappointment. And so does Clay Thompson's dad. By the way, Michael Thompson said that he believes they could win, you know, four or five titles. And I think that this squad together should win that many titles. And if that happens now, then we can start talking about one of the greatest dynasties of all time. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing. Like, at what point is it? beyond being a disappointment because i think obviously if they had if they end up losing this finals you're disappointed because it would be two in four years and and losing now with durant on that hold on Seth. i would just change one thing if they lose this year that's an embarrassment right that's that's not just disappointment that's an embarrassment if they lose next year i think that's a disappointment even yeah I, i mean at what point does it get to disappointment you know three and four is great but do you you know you look at the bulls in the 90s they want six out of eight and and the two years they didn't they didn't have LeBron. Uh, they didn't have uh, MJ. So for me, it's two. It's two more. It's this year and next year. And then you can say, okay, that's not a disappointment. So then we'd have, what, three in a row, four in five years, 
And well, but but the important thing is three in a row for the team that because KD changes everything, right? When right. KD ch- joins them, that changes your level of expectation. That changes what is and what is not a disappointment. And I think with KD with this team, it's got to be three. It's got to be. Talking with Will Kane and and Will. Before we wrap things up, I know we're we're about we're about five six months in here to to you doing the show every day. How how are we feeling in 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 the chair? You know, riding solo for what six months now. Um, I love it, man. I'm having a ball. I'm having a good time. I'm excited to build a project um, in the image that I want to create something. I'm an entrepreneur by nature. You know, I owned a couple businesses before I started this, so this is this is another entrepreneurial project. Is it where I want it to be completely? No. And Trog Keller, the head of ESPN Radio, has said to me, "Will radio is a uh, it takes years. It's a years long project, and I believe that because I believe this is the best medium. Like what you're doing right now, what I'm doing." It's the best gig in media. You can create a deeper relationship with an audience than any other, any other media, better than TV, better than online. But because that's so deep, it's a little bit like getting married to somebody. Like It takes a while. They've got to get to know you, know who you are, trust you, see if you're being authentic. I intend to convince everybody that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, and I think the show six months from now will be different and better than it is today, even though I'm really proud of the show we're putting on right now. Hey, Will, could not agree with you more. Love this radio medium. It's it's different than anything else. And, and to your point, you, you really connect with people in a, in a different way. Um, and thanks so much for the time. Uh, you've been generous with it. And uh, we got we got one of your hats here in studio, and, and we hear you every single day up here in Syracuse. So uh, thanks cool. for coming on. All right. Thanks for having me, man. I really do.